Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Most of this hour will allow for more of your free-for-all Friday phone calls. Darren and I have more from the NFL, the basketball world, baseball, Hall of Fame weekend, the MLS coming to North Carolina. That's with a question mark, perhaps in the next few years. More on that later. But joining us now from the other side of the pond, it is being described as the biggest sporting event in the history of Northern Ireland. And senior golf writer for ESPN, Bob Herrig, is covering the Open Championship, as it's called, on the other side of the pond. Bob, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? We're doing great. Uh, how has it manifested itself in your eyes, this greatest sporting event in the history of Northern Ireland? I imagine you felt the buzz factor as soon as you got there and through two rounds now. There's no question. Yeah, I mean, the place is buzzing. Uh, uh, lots of people, huge crowds, even in some really poor weather. Um, uh, you know, the town is is bustling with uh, with with tourists and people, and you know, a lot of a lot of people out on the street. And uh, it's just uh, it's a it's a neat experience to come to an open anyway. Uh, and it's especially neat to come to one here that hasn't had one in so long. And, you know, frankly, um, the chances of it of it returning here, were, there were so many hurdles to overcome. And the fact that they've pulled it off and, and, and done really well with it is, uh, is neat to see. Find Bob Herrig's work at ESPN.com. Follow him on Twitter, at Bob Herrig. Of course, as soon as we saw Northern Ireland, we thought of, among others, Rory McIlroy. So he goes out yesterday and puts up a, a snowman on his first hole and was eight over for the day. Uh, he's out. Adam Scott is out. Tiger Woods is out. Phil Mickelson is out. Looks like the cut line is right around plus one for now with guys still out on the course. Does that take the air out of this in any way, given Rory's popularity there? Uh, or might Shane Lowry or somebody else just kind of pick up some of those followers? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I, I don't think you, you can you can dismiss the fact that losing Rory is a big deal. Um, you know, that would have been the ultimate story right. for him to win here. I mean, this is, uh, you know, Shane, Shane Lowry is, is is from Ireland. Right. He's from the Republic, you know, and whereas Rory is from, you know, less than an hour from here, and he, he played a lot of golf here as a kid, and, um you know, when he won won the U.S. Open in 2011, the idea of bringing a major um, back to Royal Portrush was kicked around and almost dismissed. And and the fact that actually, you know, in this short amount of time, eight years, that they were able to put it together is really amazing. And 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 I think, you know, it he he denies it, but clearly there had to be some some pressure on him to perform and. And knowing knowing what it what it means to the area, uh, and so it's too bad, you know. I mean, that's a shame, really. Um, and and especially the way it started yesterday, you know, hitting a ball out of bounds on the very first yeah. shot. Uh, but um, you know, uh, these things have a way of producing drama, no matter who's in them. Uh, you know, Brooks Kepka's still up there. Uh, Shane Lowry, as you noted, from from Ireland. Uh, Lee Westwood would be the the old pond yeah. story. Uh, Kepka is in the mix again. Uh, yeah, Spieth is is sort of you know found something at least through two rounds. I mean so, um, and and the fact that uh, 
uh, you know that uh, that the scoring has been pretty good through two days. Uh, uh, I think sort of suggests that maybe there's still the ability to have, for there to be some movement, you know, so maybe some big swings. So uh, I think it'll still all work out pretty well. Bruce Springsteen has a song, Thunder Road, where the lyrics include, maybe we ain't that young anymore. And I know Tiger Woods is not much of a singer, but it sounded like his words were, you know, his latest version of admitting, maybe we ain't that young anymore, you know? He, he of course, got the Masters. I wonder if you think he can still reflect upon 2019 as a success overall because he ended that decade-plus-long major drought. But this event was a disappointment. Uh, the other major performance didn't offer anything spectacular. So how do you view that bigger picture, and, and how did you take any words he shared along those lines? Yeah, I think when we step back from it, we'll look at it as, as for what it was, uh, you know, a, a remarkable victory, uh, getting a 15th major, a uh, fifth Masters. Um, I think in the short term what has happened is expectations got ratcheted up higher again, and we lost sight of what he's dealing with. You know, it's just, um, uh, you know, he's repeated this several times. He said it even last year, and I think he surprised us all last year by how much he played, but that, you know, he's just going to have his bad days, and and he's not going to be able to move the way he'd like to, and it's hard to fake it. You know, it's just hard to it's hard to shoot the scores you need to to shoot against these guys if you don't have it. And uh, um, you know, I, again, I point back to last year when he contended so often. Um, you know, he really only contended in one tournament this year, and that's the Masters, and he won it. Um, and he reduced his schedule, and he's tried to manage. And you know, it's. It, the amount of golf he's played now has proven to be probably too little, at least to be competitive in these big tournaments. I think the new schedule did him no favors. You know, back before this year, you would have had a long stretch between the Masters and the U.S. Open. Yeah. Uh, instead, the PGA was in there, and uh, you know, and and I don't think anybody would have had as much of an issue with him making the Players Championship his first tournament back, and then you add the. Pl- the, the memorial in there. Now he's got two tournaments going into uh, into the into the U.S. Open. He only had the one before the U.S. Open uh, after the PGA, and and now nothing again since the uh, U.S. Open. I mean, it's just not set up very well for him to to be competitive, and he's not even going to play next week, which isn't a big surprise given his struggles here. But you know, he worked really hard to be to 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 get to the point where he could be uh, qualified for those world golf events. And now he's going to skip one. So, um, you know, I think there's maybe just a little bit of the air coming out of the balloon here since the masters. And I, I also think he's probably finding it very, very hard to, to get that level of intensity back up there. And he maybe just needs some time still, you know, he needs to get hungry again and, and, and get healthy, too, because he's clearly not feeling great, and I don't think all this cold weather he's played in has, has done him any favors there either. You've told us in the past that the Open Championship tends to allow for older dudes to compete. You know, maybe that's a Lynx thing. Maybe it's sometimes a, a local knowledge thing. You mentioned Lee Westwood. Here's a guy who's 46 years old. He has had top three finishes in every major 
but has never won one. And I guess at 46, you know, they stop listing you on the best golfers without a major type uh, of a rundown. But there he is, one shot off the pace in the clubhouse at minus seven. What does he have left in your eyes? I don't even remember how he's played more generally in recent years. I once thought of him as one of the very best golfers in the world. Now I just think of him as a, you know, as a really good golfer. What, what do you make of him or even Tommy Fleetwood, fellow Englishman, at uh, seven under as those two guys might get some support from the crowd too this weekend? Yeah, I mean, you know, in Westwood's case, uh, he, he's shown some, some, some form at times here over the last year. And he and he and he's he still plays, you know. He yeah. he plays a full schedule, and that that's important. You know, he he works on his game, and and I think you come to a place like this where length is not as much of an issue. You have to be more strategic. There's going to be irons off the tees. Um, you know, there's different. It, it, the, the the style of golf is so much different. It's not hitting towering iron shots that stop on a dime. It's it's nuanced, you know, you have to run shots up sometimes you have to be creative. And, and I think that that serves the older, more experienced players. Well, that doesn't mean young guys can't do well, but it's, um, it certainly helps someone like him. I mean, I think that's why we've had, you know, this stretch where, you know, Phil won the open in his forties. So did Darren Clark. So did Ernie Els. Uh, obviously Tiger was in contention last year. Uh, you had 10 years ago when Tom Watson nearly won. Uh, so, um, it, it, it is probably the major that's best suited for an an older, more experienced guy to, to do well. And, you know, Lee Westwood winning a major at this point, like, you know, having never won one and uh, for a while there, he was like the guy with the most top fives of anyone who hadn't won a major, uh, and he's sort of like fallen off the radar here yep. the last couple of years. And now all of a sudden, look at there, there he's right there. It'd be a great story. Last thing for Bob Herrig, find his work at ESPN.com. He's joining us live from the Open Championship in Northern Ireland. Remember to follow him on Twitter at Bob Herrig. From the red, white, and blue perspective, it should be a fun weekend. I mean, you can chime in on any of these, but I'm going to build up to the guy who's tied for the lead right now. Webb Simpson of our state plus Matt Kuchar, Patrick Reed, and Tony Finau are all four under, which means in contention and near the top ten. You got Jordan Spieth and Brooks Kepka at five under, and they're done their rounds as well. Uh, that's in the top ten. And then right up top, you have J.B. Holmes, uh, 37 years old. I remember him helping, you know, our country win a Ryder Cup, but he's never won a major. I can't even remember his closest call. There he is at eight under par, and at least for now, the clubhouse leader with Shane Lowry at eight under. Uh, what do you make of JB's chances at 37 of uh, maybe closing on a major for the first time? or, you know, any of those others. It feels like Kepka is always there, and it feels like Spieth is back where we got used to seeing him for a while. Yeah, I'm not sure what to make of JB. He doesn't contend that much even in regular events, although he did win earlier this year at Riviera. Um, you know, he's got a lot of length, which helps him, but, of course, there's certain holes where you can't use that to your advantage. Um, he did, you know, he, he was... Uh, a couple of years ago when Stenson and Mickelson blew everybody away, he was third mm. in that open. So, you know, he played, he played very well except for two guys yeah. uh, and there's nothing wrong with the way he played. They just like, just, yeah. you know, you know, went way out in front. Uh, so, you know, nothing would surprise me. This is, this tournament does produce some unlikely winners too. You know, you have some guys who just, you know, even, even, or, or even if they don't win, they're up there. 
Uh, but I mean, I think back to you know Ben Curtis, uh, uh, Todd Hamilton. I mean, those guys uh, won the Open and didn't do much else. Right. You know, but they happen to have the week of their lives, and and uh, and, and I think having some slower greens and and uh, and being able to to make putts, uh, unlike uh, you know some of the uh, the U.S. majors where the greens are so fast that sometimes they're they're difficult to handle. I, I think kind of evens things out a little bit, and uh, you know, so it's been pretty good showing so far for him, but obviously a long way to go. Good stuff. Bob Herrig, Extra Effort Award, joining us from the other side of the pond. Thank you, as always, for your time on the David Glenn Show. Glad to do it. Take you, it easy. You got it. On Twitter at Bob Herrig, H-A-R-I-G, ESPN.com, senior golf writer of distinction for the worldwide leader. A lot of red, white, and blue in the top ten. Brooks Kepka, Jordan Spieth, three off the pace. J.B. Holmes tied for the lead. Tony Finau, Patrick Reed, Matt Kuchar, Webb Simpson, four strokes off the pace. Of course, they're all going to make the cut, being in or near the, nas- the, uh, the top ten on the leaderboard. It looks like the cut line will be plus one, and that means some pretty good golfers. I mean, Keegan Bradley's on the wrong side of the cut line right now. Brent, Brant Snedeker is on the wrong side of the cut line. Jason Day, wrong side of the cut line. Uh, Hideki Matsuyama is still out there, but wrong side of the cut line. And then, of course, you know, a local favorite like Darren Clark at a more advanced age, he's plus three. Similarly, Patrick Harrington, uh, plus three. He's done for the day and, and in all likelihood done for the tournament as well. And then even guys like, you know, Bryson DeChambeau is still out there, but he's probably not going to make the cut. And then the really big names like a Phil Bickelson seeking magic at the age of 49 after losing 15 pounds in six days because of his fasting. That approach clearly did not work. Phil was never a factor here. He's going to finish plus eight and going to miss the putt, the cut by a, a mile. Adam Scott is plus eight right now and going to miss the cut by a mile. And then uh, other than, you know, the weird round of David Duval, who shot a 91 yesterday and even hit a ball, hit the wrong ball uh, and taking an ensuing penalty just for that part. Uh, it, it was a train wreck of a week for Tiger Woods, Phil, Mickel- Phil Mickelson, Adam Scott and Rory McIlroy. Uh, big names, some of them in that latter or twilight of their career, of course. But uh, nevertheless, we're going to have a lot of, I would argue, compelling names in and around that top 10. Tommy Fleetwood's been on this stage before. Lee Westwood, of course, is always in the mix, but has never punched through to gain a major title. Justin Rose and Brooks Kepka, you could argue that they're the two best golfers in the world right now, and they're both in the top 10 as we speak. Jordan Spieth was that for a while, but hasn't been that in a while. He's there three strokes off the pace, so it'll be fun to see if he can contend this weekend as well. Captain America Patrick Reed, the long hitter Tony Finau, and the recently controversial Matt Kuchar also in the mix at minus four. 1-800-849-2761. Bob Herrig was our one and only guest. That's how Free For All Friday works. Fewer guests, more phone calls. Lines tend to be jammed Monday through Thursday. We know that can be frustrating and even result Uh, in a trip to the therapist's couch. We don't want that to happen. We created Free For All Friday for a lot of different reasons. Uh, One of them was to allow more time for your calls, questions, comments, complaints, predictions. It's all fair game. The NFL is back in form of training camp. Almost everybody will start in the next few days if they didn't start earlier this week. The Carolina Panthers have a new TV show. It's not exactly theirs, 
but it's an all-or-nothing presentation I'll tell you about on the other side. The Open Championship is among your weekend highlights in terms of viewing options, perhaps even if you're not the most passionate golf fan. I have more on the basketball tournament. It starts today. Greensboro, North Carolina is the source or, or the venue for one of their eight regionals around the country. Chris Paul is coaching a team. That team includes former UNC stars Kennedy Meeks and P.J. Hairston and former Xavier and Maryland star Des Wells, among others. Remember Abdul Malik Abu of NC State? He's on that same team. Remember Reggie Johnson, the big guy from the Miami Hurricanes? He's on that team, another uh, state of North Carolina guy. Deontay Baldwin is a former UNCG star. He's on that team as well. And one of the cool things about this tournament, it's not all 64 teams. And remember, it's single elimination. So, like, you're just gone. You could be done today. You could be done right an hour from now. If you lose your opener, your tournament is over. But $2 million is a worthy prize. A six-figure paycheck for the players on the winning team is worth them spending part of their offseason. Perhaps if they play for a six-figure check, meaning annually, somewhere else in the world. One of the cool things is that various alumni groups sponsor teams. So, like, Former Jim Beheim players at Syracuse. I think, that, what do they call themselves? Beheim's Army or something like that? So it's all, I think it's all or most, mostly, former Orange basketball players. Clemson has a team in Greensboro battling against Team CP3 and these others. They call themselves Power of the Paul. It's a big prize. It's an interesting concept. And I credit the folks who created this thing because it's now entering its sixth year. The prize money is as big as it's ever been. They have additional prize money that they award to their top fans, like online and, and social media, et cetera. Like 10% of the multi-million dollar pot, 10% goes to the top fans of the various top teams. It's a really interesting concept. I'm a little mad that Darren and I didn't create it. It's only in year number six, but it does involve our backyard games today, tomorrow, and Sunday at the Greensboro Coliseum Fieldhouse. It's kind of the annex right there next to the main building. All the games, by the way, in the basketball tournament, as it's called, on either ESPN, ESPN2, or streamed on ESPN3. Every single game in the entire tournament, which is over a three-week period leading up to that $2 million grand prize. A lot of familiar names and faces in the basketball tournament. You can actually, Darren, how much do you think they charge their marketing company to come back with that name, the basketball tournament? It's at least thousands of dollars right? that someone made, a I, company made. I wonder if it's tens of thousands Probably. of dollars. And, and would you have been able to stifle your laughter? Like, you and I are the creative company, and they at the basketball tournament hired us. You know, we need a name for this thing. We're trying – nobody knows about us. And you, this is year six. In year one, nobody had any idea what they were doing. They even had a – they have a funky ending to every game. It's, it's not a traditional ending. It's, it's – I think it's called the Elam something, uh, named after a professor that came up with a better idea to, to end games. So, anyway, there's an Elam ending, I think it's called, to every single game. So we come back, you're up on the PowerPoint presentation in front of the group, the executives of this company that are launching this tournament six years ago. I don't know what your alternatives would have been, but generally they like you to bring back two or three options. And then they, yeah. the all-knowing executives, would pick one of your three or send you back to the drawing board. Would you be able to stifle your laughter if your creative company came back with, I think we should call it 
the basketball tournament. I think as long as they had justified reasoning, right? Because sometimes simple works. I mean, you remember the old campaigns, Got Milk? Yeah. I mean, that seems like something to me that could be laughed out of a boardroom in certain scenarios because it's just it's a rhetorical question at whether or not you want milk. And that's the ad for milk. So it, maybe it it's the same sort of thing. It might be a great idea. Yeah. The basketball tournament, people call it TBT. <laughs> yeah. They've been successful enough that the prize money has grown. It was originally $500,000, the grand prize. Now it's $2 million. That's a sign of progress as they're entering year six as of today. <laughs> Somebody on the creative team was smart enough to buy the website rights. They're at thetournament.com. Yeah. <laughs> more, more, more power of creativity, thetournament.com. <laughs> Once you knew you were going down the basketball tournament road, I guess it was smart to start buying up those domain names. And the funny thing is, it, in having it at this time of year, DG, are there any other tournaments going on? I mean, Summer it, it, league is over. Right. Uh, big three is Cubes League. It's still going, isn't it? Or is it over? I think it might have ended. It, or it's close to its end. Because obviously not really a, they chose this part of the calendar very purposefully right. as well. You don't have NFL preseason games until August. You don't have college football practice until August. You don't have Major League Baseball playoffs until the fall. You don't have basketball or hockey games at the NHL or NBA level. Those those both end in mid-June. Yeah, there aren't many regular right? seasons happening, much less tournaments now. July so, is clearly the slowest month on the sports <laughs> calendar. That's why I take half of July off every year, except for this year. <laughs> Somehow I'm stuck with you for 30. Sucker. Is it 32 days of <laughs> July? No, I'm just kidding. It, <laughs> we still get paid to write and talk about sports for a living, Darren. We've had Wimbledon this month. We have the British Open right now. We had the ACC kickoff event. We interviewed Hall of Fame and National Championship coaches one-on-one -on -one these last two days. There's always something to celebrate, my man, and you know that is true. Why do I – why have I gone from thinking our state is an extreme long shot to get a Major League Soccer expansion franchise to believing that our state is now one of the three or four leaders to get what is three – expansion franchises that are going to be awarded eventually to get the MLS from its current 24 to its goal of 30 franchises. Three have already been awarded, in case you didn't know. So they're already at 27. Later this month, they're going to announce one or two more expansion candidates. And then, of course, that would leave number 30 for yet another city out there. For the longest time, as much as I admire the heck out of the people behind the Raleigh bid and the Charlotte bid, I don't believe that either of those two bids for a long time was even in like the top half dozen of the expansion power rankings. I now believe that our state has a bid that has cracked the top three. I'll elaborate as we welcome your calls, questions, comments, complaints, and predictions. It is free for all Friday. We are following your lead. 1-800-849-2761 is how you can steer the ship next on the David Glenn Show. Gary Player joining us. This morning I did 1,300 sit-ups and crunches. Wow. I pushed 300 pounds with my legs and I ran on the treadmill. You are one of the legends of golf and you've been an inspiration as a person as well. What a nice compliment and God bless America. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. We sat back in January and, and uh, 
you know, you start over. I mean, it's pretty easy to be honest with you just because, you know, you don't have all the same guys back. It's a new team, and, and a lot of guys uh, that weren't on the team are here. We signed 29 guys. We brought in 30-something guys, counting our walk-ons that came in and that are eager to start their journey. As I always tell them, greatness never goes on sale, man. you got to pay full price every single year. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. We had pearls of wisdom being dropped left and right by the ACC's football coaches as they sat down with us for one-on-one, face-to-face interviews on Radio Row in Charlotte at the annual kickoff event. We have lines open free-for-all Friday style for the first time since the start of the show. Darren Vaught is the producer of this program. Our one and only guest, Bob Herrig, live from the British Open, is in the books. That means it's you and us and your phone calls the rest of the way. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. As we invite your questions, your comments, your complaints, NFL is back. College football is almost here. Media days all week this past week and even more this coming week. Major League Baseball has its Hall of Fame weekend and some interesting on-the-field action to go with it. I believe our state has gone from a long shot to get a major league soccer expansion franchise to being among the small handful with the best shot at becoming MLS team, say, number 29 or number 30, as they've already stated publicly their goal is to get to 30 franchises, and in the longer run, they're probably even going to get to 32. Complaints, questions, comments, prognostications, all fair game right now when you dial 1-800-849-2761. In terms of on-the-field action, here are your options this weekend. If you're a baseball fan, You have the Nationals at the Braves. They are the two best teams in the NL East right now. I hate to say that because I'm a Phillies fan, but that's the reality. Besides the Dodgers, the Braves are probably the best-looking team in the National League right now. The Nationals have gone from basically dead to relevant. Washington at Atlanta. The A's are at the Twins, two playoff-caliber teams in the AL going head-to-head this weekend. You'll be happy to hear this, Darren, if you didn't know it. Your Red Sox are at the Baltimore Orioles this weekend so that is a great chance at a sweep or padding your statistics or hitting home runs or a lot of other good things last i checked and you can correct me as needed your world series champion boston red sox are as of this second not even a wild card team in the american league that's correct right i mean my phillies don't fit that description either to be clear but i believe my phillies are closer to an nl wild card then your Red Sox are to an AL wild card, and you're way behind those New York Yankees in the American League East. So you have baseball. You have the Hall of Fame. Mariano Rivera, the ultimate closer, goes in on Sunday. The late great starting pitcher Roy Halladay goes in as part of this six-man class. Mike Mucina's going in, another outstanding starting pitcher. Edgar Martinez, a wizard of a hitter, often a DH, etc. Lee Smith, one of the original Great closers, at least of my childhood, Chicago Cubs. And then it was more controversial. Harold Baines got in. He's the sixth member. And the one guy that has some people scratching their head or rolling their eyes. Is it the Hall of really good over a long time? Or is it the Hall of Fame, meaning you really needed to be even greater? Mario, Mariano Rivera, by every definition, fits that description. Harold Baines, uh, I think there was a reason he didn't get a lot of votes for a long time. Well, and yeah, and I think the distinction is important to make. Baines was the one that was later voted in by the members of the hall. There's a separate vote 
that allows guys to get in after they're not oh, voted yeah. in by the writers after a, well, a certain number of ballots. And Harold Baines' numbers on the traditional balloting were insanely low. Yes. Some of the guys who get in on the subsequent follow-up balloting, you know, came close in the regular balloting. And, and that in most cases, not, I think correct. that's fair to say. It is most Not Harold Baines. He's, a, he's an outlier, and for those who really want to maintain the bar in the highest place possible, probably should not have gotten in. On the controversial side, of course, for the seventh consecutive year, not enough votes for a guy like Barry Bonds or others in similar situations. Uh, Roger Clemens in that case, Pete Rose for different cases. Bonds, remember, is the all-time home run leader. And statistically, I think, it would be hard to argue against the idea of him as, I don't know, one of the five greatest hitters of all time. Three. I mean, He's top three for me. Right. These. I mean, you know, there's uh, Ted, Ted Williams is somewhere in that mix. Uh, Willie Mays, Babe Ruth. Uh, Barry Bonds is in the top five. I'm not even sure whom I'm forgetting right now. Anyway, that's Sunday. So you have NASCAR. Those boys are in New Hampshire. The big race is on Sunday afternoon. You have some pretty good, compelling series. I hope your Red Sox beat up on the Orioles. You, you need it, frankly. You have Manny Pacquiao getting back into the boxing ring again. He's already a legend. He's a 40-year-old legend now from the Philippines. Keith Thurman is the American who holds the WBA welterweight title belt. They're getting together in Las Vegas. It's on Fox Pay-Per-View which I believe has only been attempted like one time in history. So it's, it's Fox's second ever attempt at a pay-per-view combat sport event. The first one got a few hundred thousand subscribers. It's hard to get to a million. And of course, you know, the occasional boxer, Floyd Mayweather Jr. being the greatest example, the occasional MMA guy, Conor McGregor being the greatest example. They can get you into seven-figure buys. I don't know how Pacquiao versus Thurman will do, Thurman will do, but that is also among your live TV options this weekend as we come back to your phone calls, 1-800-849-2761. I will watch the British Open. I probably won't watch that boxing match. I'll casually check in on the Hall of Fame stuff uh, for Major League Baseball. The NASCAR race is there for your enjoyment on Sunday afternoon. Everything else is like off the beaten trail headlines, for example, the Vegas folks have posted their revised odds for next season. And the long story short there is that the top three in the eyes of Vegas, the way they put out the numbers, L.A. Clippers one, L.A. Lakers two, Milwaukee Bucks three. Those are the Vegas favorites for next NBA season. Clippers, of course, have Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and some other interesting pieces. The Lakers now have... Anthony Davis to go with LeBron James and some other interesting pieces. Some of them we know well, Quinn Cook, Danny Green, etc. And then the Milwaukee Bucks still have Giannis and most of the players that took them to a very good season this past year, 1-800-849-2761. All right, I will tell you why our state has gone from, I thought, almost an extreme long shot to get the Major League Soccer expansion franchise to why I believe it's actually going to happen. Now, there's a big announcement later this month. I think that may be too optimistic. At least franchise number 28 is going to be announced at the MLS All-Star Game at the end of this month. There's a possibility that number 29 also will be announced. St. Louis is going to get one. So 24 teams are already playing. Three more cities have already been announced. If you hadn't been paying attention, that is okay. As we go to Jeff and Mark and you, 
24 teams are playing right now. Miami is getting one. Nashville is getting one. Austin, Texas is getting one. So that's 27. St. Louis, I'm telling you, is getting one later this month. They haven't announced that, but it's going to become official soon. That's 28. Now, Sacramento wants one. Raleigh has bid for one. Charlotte has bid for one. And the biggest gaping hole on the American map for Major League Soccer is the mid-Atlantic stretch where the closest MLS team to our north is in Washington, D.C., and the closest MLS team to our south is in Atlanta, Georgia. That's a big gap with a lot of millions of people living in between in that multi-state area. Well, the two biggest cities between D.C. and Atlanta are Charlotte and Raleigh slash the Triangle. You're talking about millions, plural, by various definitions for the Queen City of Charlotte or the Triangle when you... You know, you use like metro areas and combined statistical areas and all these other uh, complicated vernaculars. More on that story and why I'm now optimistic. If you're a soccer fan, it may not be your city that gets it with two cities bidding in the state of North Carolina, but I really think it's coming. And what would that mean? We have the NBA, we have the NFL, we have the NHL. We're getting the MLS. Again, that's not a done deal, but I like our chances now for the first time. That leaves only Major League Baseball among the five most successful sports in North America that we would not have. Again, it's not going to happen tomorrow. There's not going to be an MLS team here next season or probably even the year after that. But I think that the world has changed because of David Tepper, the owner of the Carolina Panthers, and him throwing his $13 billion worth of weight behind a revised franchise bid Uh, He certainly has the cash to pay that expansion fee, and he's saying that he has the stadium. He just wants to put an MLS team in Bank of America Stadium where the Panthers already play. Jeff is in Blunts Creek, North Carolina. Welcome to Free For All Friday. Go right ahead. Hey, DJ. Glad to listen today and enjoying your show. Thank you. Uh, Can you kind of clear up some of this one-and-done thing that's getting ready to happen in college uh, basketball, what the kids are going to be able to do and how that affect their scholarships and stuff like that? Yeah, it's not here yet, but we're the NBA hopes to have a system in place where guys can start going straight from high school to the NBA again, sometimes the G League, but eligible for the NBA draft. But I'm try- i gotta, I got to look it up in my notes to be sure I don't steer you wrong. I think it's 2022 that that's going to be the change. It might be 2021. So we're not there yet. We're still a couple years away from that change, if that's what you're thinking of. Uh, but remember, just like LeBron and Kobe and others went straight from high school to the NBA, the new rules are going to allow that. And the NBA, you know, is aware that some high school kids are going to make dumb decisions. But uh, they ha- it's a complicated set of rules Uh, But there are more options than ever coming soon to high school superstars. And the G League with higher pay is one of those options. But for select players, they're going to be able to go the Kobe or LeBron route. They still have to, I think, finish crossing those T's and dotting those I's in their negotiations with uh, the NBA Players Association. So it's not here yet. And as a college basketball fan, you won't have to worry about it for another couple years. Okay. Thanks, thanks for playing, Jeff. Thank you, no one like going. Thank you, man. You got it. 1-800-849-2761. Mark is in Wilmington and next on the David Glenn Show. Hey, yeah. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. You guys should be on like five hours a day. <laughs> thanks, man. <laughs> hey, um, the Raleigh um, case for getting the, the, um, the, like the men's uh, soccer team, Yeah. they should capitalize on 
the uh, the women's World Cup. In fact, there were seven players on yeah. that team, and the, on, and to capitalize on that momentum and the peak interest, and award that to the Raleigh franchise. Well, but hey, my, good, my other question is: yeah, the college football playoff. How many major conferences are there? Um, I would, you know, financially speaking, there are five major conferences. How many extra teams usually have a strong case for inclusion in the playoff? Mm, only a few. Like maybe you could say one, right? Yeah. So that's a total of six teams. Now let's brainstorm. What conference, what, what league has a, a tournament or a playoff where there's six teams? The NFL on, in each conference, right? Yeah. So what if we had six teams playoff? You could, you know, bring in one extra team like Notre Dame or Boise State or whatever, um, and then have the first two teams get a bye, and then the other two, like the other, like three, four, five, six playoff. And then the like the lower seed would play the number one. Would you be uh, against eight? I think the, jumping to eight makes the makes the case that now you're playing all these extra games that every team is getting is getting. There's no there's no benefit to it. It, it waters down the the, the the like the regular season. See the thing so is you, six or eight still leaves teams that can play the same number of games. In other words, if, if, if you, in your six-team playoff system for college football, those three through six are not playing any more games than if we had an eight-team playoff. You know, in other words, only your one and two seed would be playing one fewer game, right? So that, that's why I don't think there's a, a massive philosophical debate between six and eight and why I think even more people like eight is that they would build on your model, by the way, you, you know, Five automatic bids, if you will. Uh, maybe one automatic bid from outside the Power Five. So you maybe you guarantee those other FBS conferences collectively. They get one guaranteed bid. And then you allow for two wild cards. So if somebody you know is the best team in the nation going into a conference championship game and that team loses and is like 14-1 and one or whatever it would be at that point, 12-1, and one, I guess, there's still the wild card side door for the obviously contending team that, you know, whatever, lost one time along the way. I think we're going to see expansion of the college football playoff. I don't think we're going to see it, you know, in the next couple of years. But the, I think the leap is going to be from four to eight, and they're going to incorporate a lot of your suggestions into making that happen. I do think that if you go to six, it's a stepping stone to eight. And if you use six, that's a total of five games, and you have the, the four major bowls plus the national championship game. It works out perfectly. I like the way your wheels are turning. Uh, we'll see. There's a chance it goes that way. Sometimes you can sell university presidents and chancellors on smaller increments of expansion, easier than you can sell them on the, the leap to eight. We all know what the bottom line is. When university presidents and chancellors get nervous about spreadsheets and revenue and expenses – Guess what? They start being okay with things that they previously were not okay with. Remember how how many decades did I hear? I've been at this for 32 years. For about for mo for about 25 years, I was told there would never be a college football playoff. And I said, "Oh, the day is going to come. The day is going to come." And what happened? There was an economic downturn in 2008, 2009. And everybody's finances were thrown out of whack at the university level and elsewhere in the American business world. Anybody who tells you that the, the playoff was simply like a grassroots thing or a response to college football fans, I mean, I'm not saying those things weren't involved, 
anybody who tries to tell you the college football playoff was born without mentioning the economic downturn of about a decade or so ago, they have no idea what they're talking about. That financial strife contributed directly to presidents and chancellors of universities saying, oh, you know what? What was that number you were willing to give us for a college football playoff? How many hundreds of millions of dollars was that that we were turning our noses up for two-plus decades? Oh, that number? Oh, it's, uh, you know, upon further review, we'd like to see another pitch. That's what got us from no playoff to the four-team playoff, and something similar is what's going to get us from four to either six or eight at some point over the next handful of years. We're back after this on the David Glenn Show. Kurt Busch is joining us, 38-year-old champion of the Daytona 500. I went out with Gronk last night after uh, after we won the race. Did you really? Also, it was fun. Got about an hour's sleep. I asked him, I go, hey, when do you have to report to training camp? He goes, July. I said, well, we can't be friends because i got to <laughs> go back to racing. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. We will have more free-for-all Friday phone calls in Hour 3. We will follow your lead. I must deliver on one thing I promised. If you're a soccer fan, by the way, there's the Pacquiao fight, again, live TV tomorrow. Hall of Fame inductions on Sunday. Other baseball all weekend. British Open through Sunday. NASCAR in New Hampshire. That big race is on Sunday. So it's a slower time on the sports calendar, but there's plenty of live programming. Arsenal of the English Premier League is taking on Fiorentina of Serie A in Italy, two world-class international soccer clubs, if you will. They're taking on each other in our backyard here in Charlotte at Bank of America Stadium. That's tomorrow evening in a match that will be nationally televised by ESPN. With that in mind, why? what are the more of the specifics? Why my skepticism, skepticism, has turned to optimism when it comes to Major League Soccer in the great state of North Carolina. Three key things. Money, and I mean big money. Market size and stadium. David Tepper is worth $13 billion or so. By some esti estimates, he's one of the 100 wealthiest people in the world. The Panthers football owner has thrown his weight behind an MLS bid for Charlotte, and I believe Charlotte now has a great chance of getting an expansion team. Not just because of David Tepper, but go ahead and do some research. How often has Major League Soccer turned down the uber billionaire? Michael Jordan's worth a couple billion dollars. Tom Dundon of the Hurricanes is worth a couple billion dollars. David Tepper's one of the richest owners in all of sports at $13 billion or so. They didn't turn down the Falcons owner, Arthur Blank, when he wanted an expansion franchise for Atlanta. I don't think they're going to turn down David Tepper either. Stadium is not ideal, but rather than these artist renderings in Raleigh and other places, David Tepper saying, I'm going to spruce up Bank of America Stadium and we're going to play there. And remember, when it comes to market size, the top 10 markets in America already have one or two MLS teams. Most of the top 20 already have them. Charlotte is a top 20 market without a team. Put that together with the money in the stadium. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I think it is going to happen. We're back after this on the David Glenn Show. Mike Lupica, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Sports used to be called the toy department, and I said, look at the political scene, and, and, and tell me that's any more real or, or more serious than what we see when people say, oh, stick to sports. Who passed that law? You're listening to the David Glenn Show. 
Hour three will include another British Open leaderboard update. It will begin with your calls. You can be next, 1-800-849-2761. It's the only day of the week that we are led by your calls. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket in to the David Glenn Show. Kevin Harlan is joining us. It was a boring game, and the guy ran out right through the formation as if he was a wide receiver <laughs> to be a part of the play. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. You always think of calling that dramatic last-second buzzer-beating shot or a touchdown pass or, or something more historic. This is the David Glenn Show.